Shop of Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast, all about front end web design and development. I'm Dave in the shed, rooting with me is Chris in the booth. Corey, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty darn good. Um, let's see, what do I have at the top here? I do kind of want to give a shout out to our friend Sarah Drasner, who has a new book coming out engineering management for the rest of us. I heard about it because I happen to like share a cool channel with Sarah, but, but then you all should have heard about it because you're obviously subscribers to CSS tricks. And she wrote a article called good meetings, which I'm not sure if it's a chapter from the book. I don't think it is. I think she's just like wrote an article about what makes for a good meeting. And then at the mm-hmm. bottom of it, it's like, this is the kind of writing I'd have done for my book engineering management for the rest of us. And I like everything Sarah does, but this like shift to talking about management stuff has been really interesting to me. This is the best article I've ever read about meetings. She just has a great (laughs) style about writing about it and, and really like incorporating personal experience and using like language that feels like, yeah, yeah, that is actually how we kind of talk at work. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's good. It's not this like abstractly meetings are a sharing of the minds and should follow a structure. You know, it's like, it's just not stodgy writing. It's really good. Anyway, high five, Sarah. Yeah, no, I, I, this is good. I'm looking forward to her book. Um, I've learned a lot from Sarah over the years, so this should be another banger. Um, I was going to say on that, I read that good meetings article on my mm-hmm. vacation. Um, and you know, it's funny. She says, agenda like like maybe don't have one was sort of like her feel like um yeah or that it's loose-ish because the point is talking not going over bullet points right right which i agree and i disagree Mm i the older i get the more valuable i get out of just just tell me what we're talking about you know but i've also been in meetings where it's like okay we have six bullet points and now we all feel behind and rushed and now we're gonna not talk about this one good enough you know because we're worried like we're hitting time you know so i i i don't know i maybe we have her on the show and talk about it but it would be um Mm -hmm. i'd be curious because there's so many I, i think you know we all hit this shift slammed into remote work you you have a remote company i have a remote company so we we're actually pretty good at it probably but you know we all kind of hit this remote life and my meeting quality definitely went down so i'd love to know good meetings you know especially in a remote context you know so um yes what do you do at copen do you do daily do you do daily no one-on-ones no yes weekly what we do a weekly and we call it all hands, which is like, of course, you know, everybody comes to that one. What day do you do the weekly? I feel like that factors into the week. Monday, but and that's been forever, forever. And I, I think it's been questioned a little bit recently, but uh, it has changed time to later in the day, Monday, lately, rather than kind of the first thing that's appropriate for time zones. And I don't mind it because Monday is kind of like a, I'm always fresher in the morning, Right. Like, but I don't need to be like wildly fresh for a meeting. I'd rather use my freshest brain for like whatever the most important task at hand is, whether it's some like planning or, or coding or something. And that I can go in like a little later in the day to a meeting and that's fine. It almost feels like a break then in a positive way. So having a later in the day, but still, it still needs to be early in the week to set the week going kind of thing. I think that's pretty cool. I think Sarah mentioned some days in this article too that were interesting to me. It was like it was like Monday and Wednesday and then that's it or something. Kind of like a yeah, kick the week off but then was... check in but not too late in the week. Yeah, you know, I I'm my coworkers, I think they all sort of buck against the idea of a daily, you know. Um but I'm like fine with it. Like whatever, dude. Like we just need to get work done, you know. Um like I'd be fine to check in every day, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause like we could, we could have four 15 minute meetings instead of one really gnarly hour meeting, you know, where we just like look at a board you right. know, for an hour, you know? So anyway, I, but like, I understand. If the, you're going to do that, then would you have less impromptu check-ins? For example, we do the one meeting a week thing. Um, but there's also one-on-ones, but those are, 
they're not for work, really. You know what I mean? They're like, I just want these two people to talk because I want to make sure that every two people are talking. Okay. okay. So we set those up. Those are like mandatory for everybody to do. But then there's an off. Yeah. uh, How are are you are you like matchmaking? Like you want these yeah. two people to date and smooch or no? You're saying you want these two people on the same project to have a set time. They, they don't hang, even have to they, be on the same project. They're just any okay. and every two people. And the point of that is maybe they're not on the same projects. I want them to like share their screen, show what they're working on, give a little context of what their work life is like. And maybe even like if I in my one on ones, I ask you like how you're doing. Like what, you know what I mean? Like that kind of not, it's, it's work related, but it's like, are you feeling okay about the direction of things? Is there some particular stressors you're having? It's more like personal stuff than like, let's just talk about the immediately active, obvious project that we're working on together. I'd rather lift up from that and talk about something else for the one-on-ones because there's so many, yeah, we talk all week. Right. Like, and we so do it in impromptu yeah. meetings. Those are the probably the most common meetings is like, hey, can I grab you, please? We need to work through this together. Can we pair program? Can we X, you know, that type of stuff. That happens all the time because we're remote and I like it. So so when, when did you shift this? Like, because it was you, Tim and Alex for a long time, right? Like and, yeah. and or gears, I'd say, right? And right. so like, then you brought somebody on, then you were like, surprise, we do one-on-ones. Or was it like, no. Was it like, okay, we're having like some management troubles or like what, like what, what was the like, Hey, you know what? We're going to start a one-on-one system. You know, I wonder what happened with the one-on-ones. I think it was, I think it was just a, a lark maybe at first and like, and, and then there was enough positivity from it that it, it works out good. And probably a worry that not everybody is talking together as much as they should. If anything happens to us that's reactionary, it's because, oh, sh- it's always, we should talk more, we should talk more, we should talk more. There's a, mm-hmm. If there's anything that's a problem, it's, it's, it always boils down to a lack of communication. It's always like, I thought we were on the same page, but we weren't. Yeah. So this, so, so it's a, I don't know, not you're getting to know people. So that's like it, but like, it's somewhat of, of an insurance policy that you don't have somebody like somebody's lost in the weeds later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They've been working for two weeks on the, uh, whatever the, the refactor of Linux, you know, like to get the right. product working or something. Yeah. I just think front end people need to have some understanding of what's happening with data and DevOps and stuff, even if they don't, aren't immediately involved and it helps seed their mind for what the product is and what it can do and what its limitations are. And likewise, backend people need to know what front end people are thinking about. And those are not the only two divisions. It's just, that's just a classic one. You know, I wonder, I've thought this too, like, I wonder if, if front end, front of the front end, or maybe even back of the front end is a little more high touch communication, you know, because we, you know, if you work on the back end, you're like kind of responsible for that service you're working on, right? Like this API spits out the JSON for this thing or what, you know, but when you're on, on the front of the front end, you're putting 10 of those APIs into one view and they have to work together in a really responsible fashion, you know? Right. So I, I sort of wonder if front end ends up being more kind of high touch communication you know, CSS. Oh, what did we name this thing? Why did we name this thing that, mm-hmm. you know, like I know people try to whatever use uh, <laughs> frameworks and stuff to avoid naming things, but like it happens, dude, you're naming components, you're naming CSS files, you're naming files, you're naming folders, like stuff. You name things like, you know, like, right. Um, or like, what's the best way to do this in the framework we're working on? Like asking stuff like that, you know, like, um, yeah, no, I just I've I've kind of sort of felt like I think front end is a more high touch mm. discipline. Is is that fair to say? Do you do you agree? Yeah, especially because the because of the existence of back of the front, you know, that those mm-hmm. people especially need to be hyper aware of what's happening in API land and back end land. Yeah, because like you can make a service that you know in CodePen's situation compiles a SAS file, you know, and like, that's cool. But then, 
you know, like I'm working on the front end and then I type at use blah, blah, blah. And the SAS machine breaks. Then I have to go figure out, you know, like, mm-hmm. did I do it wrong or, Oh, it uses fair syntax. Let's go figure out why, you know, like anyway, I just, yeah. that's where yeah. the user stuff happens. Right. So, right. Oh, go ahead. You can go ahead. I, I have tens of questions about like, so you went to kind of added more management structure to code pen or just, or just in. Yeah. You know, and there's also been response that people like feedback that you, there should be accountability and feedback on how you're doing. And sometimes the one-on-ones help with that. We also do this thing, Dave, that's similar to a, uh, all hands, but we've been lately, we've been calling them Thursday. I think some companies do it daily. I've even seen Slack bots type of things that like bug you and ask you, hey, what's your thing today? Please respond to this message that has some bullet points of what you did, which is like mm-hmm. your kind of accountability for the day and for like a management or whoever to check in to see what you're getting done kind of thing and to communicate to, you know, like this is done now. So maybe you could work on that. Although I think that's not the best structure for that. But every Thursday you're required to turn in a document that's like prose essentially of what's going on with you, what you did, what your blockers are, that kind of thing. And everybody looks at everybody else's. You comment on them, you look at them, you see what's up, you have little communications there. Those are done in notion. So there's commenting structure kind of built in. And the, the point of that is some accountability. Like I need to be able to see your weekly and see that you're getting things done. And if you have a bunch of weeklies with nothing on them, that's obviously a problem, you know? So it's like accountability in that way, but it's also like a chance to showcase what you did. Cause not every single, every single thing you do is appropriate to like share in all hands or talk about in Slack or something. But any, anything mm. that you do is fair game for that weekly doc, you know? Like, if something took up some time of your week, tell me about it, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. No, that's good. Because we've started the Slackbot thing, mostly because it was like we had a bunch of people on a bunch of different projects. You know, client work's a little bit different, right? Because, you know, we're we're contributing to different streams, if that makes sense. So, like... I was like, oh, this one person needed a chart and graph. So we had to like stop the work on project A to go work on project B, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was hard. We we're kind of hitting the limit of like, it's hard to figure out when something's going to arrive, you know, because yeah. like inbound requests sort of like wipe out, you know, any sort of plan we had, you know? So um, oh. kind of switched to like a, a it's probably problem is probably too many clients, but then it's like, if one client leaves, now you have too few clients. So, so, uh, so anyway, we, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a versions of that in, in, in non-client work too, you know, be like, we got a plan, we got a Kanban, we got things to do. And then, you know, search results are twice as slow as they were last week. Well, guess what? That's like an email from a client that says, we, you need this thing right away. It's a curveball. It's a, mm-hmm. now we're, now we're working on that. Cause that's, that was important. Now that's else. suddenly the most important right. thing. So yeah. And I feel bad yeah, for no, back end people cause it happens more to them than it does to front end. It's very rarely you'll get a, a you know, some front end tickets like your buttons are unaligned. It's on, un- it's on fire. It's going to take you all week to root out the cause of this and why and buy new hardware. And you know, like when yeah. a curveball gets thrown to back end people, it's just the harder. It's more frustrating. One, right? Yeah. It's usually like, like a, you know, something broke down, but like what, what, yeah, there's an investigation, a, you know, has there ever yeah, been a company on earth where like the the back end is just waiting on the front end? Like there's just beautiful APIs sitting there. Everything's fast. Everything's secure. Everything's just there. And they're like, gosh, I wish the front end people would get around to, to building a UI for uh, this. You haven't worked with me yet, Chris. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's, it's all time, right? Like it's all, but no, yeah. I think there's always sort of, it's, it's a give and take. And that's kind of back to the, like, I think there's like this, thing where like you maybe i don't know front end's kind of high touch right like we have to kind of like hey i stubbed out the view for this thing it's waiting on data but and i see you pushed 
the data model for this thing. So I'm going to go switch over to this thing and right you now, like, and yeah. hopefully we'll meet up in, in two weeks and <laughs> we'll be, a, we'll have the same website, but you know, it doesn't always work that way. So we did a cool Kanban the other week, week on a project where all the cards had different icons on them because there was some go work to be done. So the go icon mm-hmm. is a little gopher guy okay. and okay. there's a react icon. It's a little, okay. I Adam. That's that's UI work essentially that needed to be done, you know, because the design is was pretty much done at this point, so there was no design icon, and the and a little GraphQL icon like the glue between the back end and the front end, kind of like how do you get the data into the front end thing, and that was a little the little GraphQL pink coinciding triangles icon thing. I think Rachel okay. put this together, okay. so all the tickets had the icon on them. So you could just look real quick and be like, this is a cross-functional Kanban. So I, everybody can look at it and know where this project is. It's not like we split it up into different teams or whatever. This is the Kanban for the project. But you could also tell what type of tickets you could do or not. Because like, I can maybe help with some GraphQL stuff and some front-end stuff, but I ain't writing any Go code. You know, I'm just like not qualified. I don't know that world. Right. So I'd be like, that would wait. That would be like a blocker for me. But it would just didn't have to be marked as a blocker because it was just obviously one, depending on the icon I had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as there's a React ticket, I'm like, I'll grab it. Got it. You know? Yeah. So you see the type of work and you know, hey, I can fit into that work. So Yeah. It's just like a tag or something or a column. No. There's a million ways you could do it, but it worked out nice. You know? This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Elastic. Elastic enables the world's leading organizations to put their data to work using the power of search. Whether it's connecting people and teams with content that matters, keeping applications and infrastructure online, or protecting entire digital ecosystems... Elastic's search platform is able to surface relevant results with speed and at scale. Learn how you can get started with Elastic's search platform for free by going to, get this, elastic.co slash shop talk. Are you, have you seen the new GitHub issues or what? Uh, GitHub well, issues? I, I just saw the homepage for it and I was like, wow, you're doing fancy things with tables and stuff. Looks cool. And then we're, we even kind of like internally rejected it only because we were about to launch into some big planning stuff. And you'd think, oh, maybe that's perfect. Maybe we should explore it. But it kind of felt like that'll be a distraction right now. Like it's very yeah. new. We don't even really have access yet. We already have these tools that we already know and use. Like if we're going to do a major planning session, maybe we just ought to keep it in comfortable territory for a minute. Yeah, yeah, because it's got like notiony vibes, right? And then like, because you can flip between like a table or almost like Airtable and and vibes, because yeah. you can have like these grouped tables that then flip into a board, right? Um, but anyway, it just I like I was like, ooh, this is cool because like you can kind of like like tag it, and you could tag it with something like GraphQL or you know, go or what, you know, you could tag tickets with like, this is this kind of work and, or even just front end back end or something like that, you know, yeah, be yeah. the easiest way to put it, you know, like, uh, so anyway, that like, and so then you'd have like an idea cause I'm all about visualizing and maybe that's like a sighted person ableism sort of thing. But like, like if you can visualize the the work you know what you need you know who you need to hire like oh we have 200 back-end tasks and five front-end tasks like <laughs> exactly oh, we it's need a back-end you know like mm-hmm. so so I, I that's it's or in your situation like this is a go task this is a rails task this is a you know mm-hmm. you probably even have different vibes of back-end you know that that different mm-hmm. people could do so um yeah, just, I don't know. I'm just all about digesting that backlog. And so um, I yeah. think I'm excited about these because I use GitHub issues like pretty religiously, but now I can kind of really kind of get some I bet you're excited. stuff done. Have you seen yeah. it? Have you actually used it yet? Or? Well, you know, they rolled out the part of it. They rolled out this part where you like, you know, you make like a, a checklist. Have you ever done that in GitHub issues? Like dash, dash or space. hyphen 
space bracket. Bracket, or, yeah. And it yeah, either has an X bracket. in it or it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, in then if you put like a pound sign, like for an issue number, like number one, two, three, it'll actually like, like link to the issue and show the like text and stuff like that. So like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's cool. But then if you just type like whatever, go find, you know, database, <laughs> that's terrible, but whatever, go find database or set up database, you know, and then you're like, you hit save or whatever and it's fine. Well now if it's turning into like a, Oh, this is actually a pretty big task. This was not just a like, email somebody and it's done thing. This is like a, a full blown week issue. Yeah. You can now do convert to issue on that, like set up database. And so now that check box will be linked to an issue and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. fancy. it's very micro, but it's very awesome because it just like, I don't know, man. Now, now you're like to do's are issues and linked to different things. And so, uh, yeah, anyway, I'm stoked on many levels and, and so, that's great. Anyway, I just, I got a free tool improvement. So over the holidays, over my vacation, something got better. So I'm, I'm looking forward. I, I'm just gotten into the beta, so I need to like flip it on or whatever dumb trick I need to do there. But yeah, I have a way to tie some things together here. Maybe it's All interesting right, that to- in order to make like a board that also becomes a table, you really got to know what you're doing data wise. Wouldn't you say mm-hmm. like you can't, that's mm-hmm. not a, it's not a front end task. I'd say that's like a, that data model better as hell support that. Right. We yeah. got a question here from David M who writes in, how do you go guys go about designing and building out a database for a fresh new project? As you're building the project and new ideas come to mind, how do you implement the additions changes that may be required? Great question, David. I have a couple of thoughts here to start with before I pass it to Dave. One of them is that I was playing, I think in the last episode, I mentioned Prisma, right? I was paired up with Chris Sev oh, and did that thing. where I was going to go. Okay. Nice. Go okay. It was, <laughs> it was interesting. One of the ways that Prisma works is that you write some, uh, like a schema kind of thing. And if this, and as you save it and then run a little command line utility thing that says, hey, you know, generate my stuff. It yeah, will make you, a migration you, file, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You write a schema. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a GraphQL schema kind of thing. Yeah. It's and then not you though. run this I mean, command is, line. But... What's that? I want to know what it is. What is it? Yeah. It's, I think it's, it's like a weird a schema format. sort of, yeah. And then GraphQL like, we'll say. Yeah. Um, but then you, uh, you run this backend tool. It creates a Rust app that is now a little two meg Rust app that, that is super fast and like converts your JavaScript into good SQL, like optimized SQL to go fetch a, against your database. Yeah. Crazy. So that's what's right? And you can see the SQL that it generates, you know, so you don't ever yeah, have yeah. to write any SQL. That's the beauty of Prisma. Right. So, but it makes the, it, notably it puts that SQL in a folder called migrations because yeah. that's what it is. That's like how rails did it too. You know, like you change some schema stuff, it makes a migration. Then when you deploy, you, teach your server to run the migration before it does it. That way your app isn't asking for data that's not there or whatever. Migrations are are key to this. So that's that's the deal, David. Look into, you know, migrations. Check out how Prisma does it because it's pretty approachable, I think. Although I would note that we did that uh, once during my, because I don't have that much experience, but I did this during our screenshot and, or the screencast I did. And it, it, there was a big old warning with the migration and deploying the migration. It's, there was a thing that propped up on the command prompt that said, Hey, warning, when you run this, it's going to wipe your data. It's going to literally all data is going to be erased. And I was like, like that, surely you don't have to wipe your data during migration. But what I didn't know is, how how do you avoid it then? Like, wh- why is it giving me that warning? Why is it feeling capable of running this migration without a data wipe? Was it a setting? Was it whatever? And uh, surely there's a way, right? I don't know what the way is, but th- of course there's a way because it's data and it's just a database and there's a way. But I don't know the way. And that's the kind of moment where I feel like even if I edge maybe lately a little towards more back of the front stuff or I'm more comfortable with that, I'm not comfortable with that, I don't, that's to me, that's backend work. That's somebody's backend has to be involved with this to make sure that that goes well. Yeah. The, the, 
I so I'm using Prisma on this little app I'm building. Um, little, it's big. It's a yeah. big app. Why would I self-deprecate? Um, <laughs> or self? What it self? Uh, whatever. Um, the yeah, like it's good, and and I like I because I've never seen migrations in JavaScript, and this provides that. And that was really cool. Like I've maybe seen like one or two tools that tried it, but then just were like, Oh, we don't do that anymore. Mm. Um, I think it's really awesome. And it's like, I think Tom Preston Warner's an investor and stuff like that. Like, I, I think like it's around for a while. Oh, is know? it, is it, um, is that, is that why Redwood? Redwood uses it. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I learned about it. And I was like, Oh, I've never seen this. Like this is feels great. Cause if you're, if you've used rails, migrations are kind of the bee's knees, you know? Um, they're really sweet for like predictably adding data. What is the business model of Prisma? If it's not hosting Um, your data and it's not, it's just like this little middleman between your front end and your database. Like if they were like, Oh, here's use Prisma, but also we have databases. I'd just sign up. I mean, yeah, just use their hosted database. Why not? It's the website is so nice. They clearly have money, but like, what's the plan? I don't get yeah. with Apollo. Like the having, plan is more clear, you know? And anyway. Right. Well, and, and then, you know, there's also another tool called Supabase. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that and that's more, I think they're kind of building an ORM in JavaScript, you know, um, which I don't, it, it looks cool, you know, and, and I don't know. And I think they are kind of doing the more we'll host your data if you want us to sort of thing. But it's some tools around database, which are sorely needed. It looks good. I think we have an article coming out on CSS Tricks about it soon. It looks pretty cool. They call it a Firebase alternative, which I don't doubt in any way. Also unclear on what the pricing prodigy is. But, you know, how many times have I said the word Astro and Skypack and Snowpack and stuff? They, what's their plan What's you know, like, yeah. but they Unpackaged. said, I mean, I heard I Fred, how does that make money? Yeah. So, well, I don't, I, I don't think that one needs to, cause it's, I mean, it was work to put together, but I think it's just hosting and the hosting is given by Cloudflare probably. And then you just forget about it. Okay. Okay. But the, you know, Astro and all that has very, there's like a lot, there's like full-time developers working on it. You know, they probably have some funding or something too. And they're, they have been a little clear and be like, we're hoping to grow this into a platform. It's the platform hasn't arrived, but let's get this right first kind of thing. So it's kind of coming. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the kind of vibe for Superbase and Prisma and stuff too, is like, let's mm-hmm. make sure this kicks ass and has real developer love. And then we'll figure out the money, whether I, I personally question that a little bit, but they've done it. Like those tools are really good. So, well, and I think the strategy there's good. It's like Gatsby's strategy, get, get the tool right. And then take people's data. Like cause once you're hosting people's data, dude. Yeah, for sure. Sad trombone. Like that's all the risk. That's all the like angry emails. That's all the customer support. Like, so Take people's data last is sort of a great mantra. So, <laughs> as long as you're ready, as long as you've thought of it, as long as you're have been working towards that outcome since the beginning, that's okay. As a slap yeah. on, is like, ah, oh, developers love us now. How should we make money? I don't know. Should we put ads in the CLI? You know, like that's not going to work. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, that's cool. So I, where I was going to take this, though, I hope you don't mind, is that we're talking about Prisma, we're talking about migrations, all this this data stuff. While we were putting together this little blog and, and like, here's the data structure, each post has an ID and a title and content and number of likes, which is an integer, which auto increments by one or whatever. Very satisfying work. I am not a data person, really. I can put together that schema, but like, what am I forgetting about here? Like, should there be a relational model to a user's table such that each post can have an author, but it's a relational relationship to an author? And then what if there should be multiple authors? Does that mean it should be like a relational array? Is that even a thing that exists? I don't know. Let alone the data model for CodePen, which is, as I am a co-founder of, but not a data person on, extremely complicated yeah so it's like i cannot i'm not that's not my thing you know varkar 255 is infinitely more performant than text you know like like infinite is right i was making a woofoo form the other day and i tried to make an 11th text area field they're like no there's no plan on (laughs) woofoo that allows you to have 11 text area fields on it (laughs) this does not go up to 11 it does not (laughs) 
That's beautiful. Because surely the data model was like, we've made them text because they need to be big and we can't roll back that choice. So in order to limit this a little bit, we'll limit the literal number of them that you can have. Yeah. Uh, Crazy. So, okay. So then where I was going to go with that is you need a data modeling genius, essentially, at some point. Somebody with some real data smarts needs to do this because as powerful as front-end is, and our responsibility has grown and grown and grown and grown and grown and to the point where, wow, front-end is super powerful. We're even taking it to the point where we're crafting our back-ends and hosting products have gotten so good. I don't even really need a DevOps team. Holy crap, can I do it all? I think there's a one of those limits is like you, that you're not a data modeling genius. Like that feels not front endy at all to me. Like that feels like mm-hmm. really screw up territory. The flip end of that is what if you get the data modeling perfectly? What if you have such an awesome data model that it basically becomes your product because it's so awesome? Now, what I'm thinking about here is Notion. There is a published uh, article by Jake Tetton Landis about the data model behind Notion's flexibility. Notion, you can like feel the data model as you use the product. It's so cool. They wrote about this. They're basically every single thing on Notion is a block. And it's represented essentially the same exact way down to like a list item in a list. It's a block. You know what else is a block? An entire page that has subpages. They're the same data model. It's very clever in how not clever it is in a way. And each block has a UUID, so it's totally unique. And they'll, you know, you can just arbitrarily make them and they'll be uniquely represented no matter what. You could freaking create them offline and they'll be unique, you know? And you can trust that even though they don't have any offline support, but theoretically it should work. And so, and then, then you can trend, if you modeled it in that way, then you can transition the block to other types of blocks by writing like transformers between the properties that that block has. Like they all probably have a title or do they? I don't know. What should become the title if it's not a title? You know, should the list items content become the title of a page if you transition it? I'm sure there's some complexity there, but the fact that that model is so smart and so incredibly flexible and that blocks can arbitrarily contain other blocks, I think was a stroke of genius and mm-hmm. not the kind of thing that my dumb little front end developer brain is going to think of. Like I can think in CRUD models. Okay. But definitely not in like, I'm going to innovate on this product in terms of data model. Yeah. On the, the, my stealth project I'm working on, I, um, you know, I was doing the CRUD way, right? I was doing like, okay, this is one model one and I have a create a read and edit and a delete function. And then I have model two and the create a read and edit and yeah. delete. And then, uh, and, and like I'm making views for all this stuff. And then I like had a feature like whatever owner toggle, like the user, like whoever the, whatever the person that owns the file, the, the entry or whatever. And I was just like, Oh man, I'm going to have to implement this like seven times. You know, or like I was going to set up a relation between two models and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to do this like seven times, you know, like if this model relates to these other three or whatever, I was just, I was like, this sucks. And so I actually, I was just like, I think the best solution might be to go down to like one, we call it like a super model, but like a, a, just one big everything's this one thing and they all relate to each other and we'll figure out like what we have to turn on and off later. So we ended Amazing. up Good idea. refactoring big refactor. I mean, two months of yeah. like breaks, you know? So that was kind of a bummer, but man, we saved a bunch of code. We saved a bunch of overhead, mental overhead, you know, there's still a little bit, but you just basically have to just know everything's an entity. Now we called it, you know, like it could there be, you whatever, go. but, but like, um, and, and, you know, these entities may have like blocks in the future, you know, cause I'm like looking at these, all these new block tools, you know, I think you posted a, a tweet about that, you know, um, and I'm like, Ooh, maybe that would actually be pretty helpful. Like a chart and graph block or, a you know, like different kinds of blocks. But, um, yeah, I, I'm just like, Oh man, like I got pretty, pretty far down this, um, and, and these entities have to present differently, but them all being the same is awesome because like we add one feature, like whatever file uploads or something, it all goes to every single entity and we're done. Like it's beautiful. So, um, 
and then we can just turn it off on feature on entities that don't get file uploads or whatever. So entity types, you know, so that's a long story to say data modeling is tough. Well, can <laughs> so, you imagine? So I did, I did this little cheesy tweet thread on that involved notion. Cause it was like, you can imagine a notion if you've ever used it, you type and it looks like a text editor, but really it's not, it's more like Gutenberg's block editor, you know, WordPress's mm-hmm. block editor and that everything is a block and you can drag the blocks around and the blocks can be of different types and have different properties and stuff. Pretty neat. Feels like the future of how documents are created. Not Word, although maybe Word will adopt a model like this at some point. It is pretty slick. But then it wasn't just Notion. I was like, my God, there's this craft app I've been watching because it has a it has a very nice feel to it, I think, too, and a kind of more, more native-feeling Mac app, perhaps, I might say. Uh, maybe a little more better offline support, although I forget. And, you know, so I was watching that. But then there's Coda, too, which not the old school Panic Coda, but like Coda.io, I think it is, that has it is all similar. And I, oh, I have all these open. I look for alternative ones. You know, I didn't even include the WordPress editor, but it's clearly like that, too. And it'd be like, look at these six apps are like identical-ish in this approach to document editing. I don't know who's first. I don't really care who's first. It's just interesting. It's in the water, you know? Google but, has a new one, right? Isn't there the new Google Pages? is kind of block editor, I think. Nice. Yeah, there's, yeah. where did I see? True Flow? Or, I can't remember. There, first of all, there's open source libraries that are block-based like this, too, if you want to build your own app but leverage that kind of concept. That's there. There's website builders that work in that way. Pretty, pretty cool. Um. <laughs> Wow, right? But do they all do it like Notion did it? Because I would think the temptation would have been, if you're thinking about Notion for the first time, well, we'll have a type of pages, and pages contain blocks, and pages have their own everything. They're just their own thing. But they didn't even do that. I think a part of the genius was that even pages are blocks. And that's weird, you know? I think that's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the flex. They flexed. They yeah. flexed on us. But yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. I, I'm so how would you do that? What I mean, didn't Dave can't you relate to David M's question here? Like, what if you have to what if you have a totally different data model idea? Crap. Then what? It's like, sorry, David, it's two yeah. months. <laughs> it's a big refactor. And yeah. and actually this is where a tool like Prisma kind of helped because we did have migrations, you know, and and um thankfully, like we're still in whatever build out phase. So we don't have like a bunch of client data we can't like replicate, you know? Um, but you're going to have to have like a way to migrate this data. Like, you know, these 10 tables become one table, the blocks table or whatever. Like you're going to have to figure that out. That's tough to do. And and you may need a database expert to do that. Um, as far as like designing a database, I often pen and paper is kind of the best or whiteboard is like, cause you can start real big. Like I have a user and a user has posts and then a post can have comments, you know, and it, but it doesn't have one comment. It has many posts. Oh, and a user can have many posts and a user can have many comments. And so like you start getting into like, that's maybe like whatever the rails one-on-one tour or whatever the rails, uh blog in five minute thing. Like uh, I think you figure out, what the model is on pen and paper. That's the cheapest way to do it. And then maybe you try to build something in, you know, you can download a database thing. Like we, we all like table plus and the discord, right? Um, yes, that's we in do. set app, right? Um, uh, it is, but you can just get it separately if you want. Yeah. I was using one called beekeeper. It was what? Cool, free really? But anyway, but it's not as good as table plus. I don't think, but it was I- nice. Um, but basically just a way to see the tables in your database, MySQL or whatever, um, you know, and you can add columns and stuff like that. But if you change a column name, that's where it starts getting a little tricky. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, can you, you imagine if you took a production data? app and just changed a table name, guess how well that's going to go, you know, it's not going to go real well. So no. data is unfortunately the thing you kind of want to get right, or otherwise it's expensive to change later. Um, MongoDB is actually pretty good at like changes um that's surprising just, me almost because isn't mongo the like just throw some json at it kind of thing yeah well and, and that's it is like 
Because you're like, oh, we need a new terms of service checkbox. Cool. We'll just add it. Like, we'll just send a terms Boolean, you know, terms yes, you know, or whatever to it. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll take that. You know, like, uh, otherwise it's false, you know, or something like that. So, mm. but in like Rails land, you're like, okay, add this table and now set the default to false for 10,000 records or whatever. Like, it, that's like pain town, right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, so Mongo is kind of a little more flexible in that regard. That's cool. Um, but, you know, so that's maybe, you know, I, I think some people uh, like, like the flexibility of Mongo in that regard, you know, but I, I personally used a little bunch of rails rails figured out data, man. Um, mm. I mean, and, and the way they did it was pretty efficient and a lot of startups run on that at scale, like that model. So I would maybe take rails for a spin and look at take open up the table plus and figure out how it built the tables. Cause uh, I think there's some good learnings inside of there. Yeah. I mean, we use, we use rails too, although we're moving away from it. Not like, not like on purpose, not like we are, have launched the anti-rails migration. I think some of it's fine. It's just when we can do something better, we do, we do use MySQL still, although I'll say, I think Alex is get honing in on a Postgres finishing switch because there's some okay, pretty okay. damn, we, we looked into moving to Postgres long ago and there was some, it was not so compelling. I remember conversations. I'm like, guys, if we do this, what's going to, what are we going to get out of it? And they're like, nothing really just, you know, yeah. Not. And then I was like, well, why would the hell would we do it then? And we didn't, not that it, that was the only answer. I'm sure there was lots of considerations, but now we're looking at it and there's lots of compelling stuff in it. That's, that's kind of better than MySQL, uh, in my opinion, you, there's as I'm one, told, not a data. Expert. Yeah. There's, there's like one or maybe two killer features. Like, um, one killer feature of Postgres is you can have like a type equals JSON, you know? So yep. you can just chuck a JSON in there. It's and not we do that in MySQL and it's awful. We did it on purpose yeah, yeah. knowing that we couldn't query for it, but we're like, whatever, this is going to help us move fast because then you don't have to run our yeah. migration, right? You just throw it in the JSON and it's fine. But then you can't do shit with it. It's horrible, you know? Yeah, but in Postgres land, it's, it's cool. Like, cool. It's fine. Yeah. I love it. I love this big old blob of text. Too yeah, big blob right. of text. It's beautiful to me. And so that's like pretty cool for us it can be elastic search like too like that has search capabilities that are way killer beyond mysql can do so -hmm. you might be able to use the same database or a replica for search that you couldn't do in mysql which to us is like really you know and as far as they 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 talked about another one where it it has like built-in actions or something i forget what they're called exactly but it's kind of like you can teach the database to like you can like it's not just a data store. It has like instructions. You can be like, take these 10 records every day and roll them up into one or something. And it'll kind of like self-manage itself. Like, holy crap, really? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Jetpack, you know, the plugin that does all sorts of stuff for your self-hosted WordPress site. I have not made it a mystery that I'm a fan, I don't think. <laughs> I have it installed on all my WordPress sites. I love the features of it. I love Instant Search. That's one of my favorites. It gives you this really good search experience on your site by doing uh, nothing. It's basically a, a f- switch flip kind of thing, and uh, it's really nice. You know, and then you have full control over that search experience that's just way above and beyond what anything native WordPress could provide. Uh, and and with kind of control, just amazing. Anyway, that's just one thing. I, I do have uh, an ask. Maybe you've seen it um, that I, I'm asking why people don't use it if they don't. So we put up a survey on CSS tricks. You know, it's just a woofoo form kind of thing that asks one question. So it should take very little of your time. Just makes you pick from things that are reasons why you don't use it if you don't. All the way included to like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Chris. Uh, but, but you know, the, the point is to kind of hone in on some of like, if there, if you hold any, like, do you have some baggage about, about, about Jetpack? Like, are you... What do you, what are your thoughts? You know, like, does it just not do anything you don't need or is it too expensive? Or do you think that, that it doesn't do things the way you want them to? You know, there's a bunch of answers there. Pick the answers you want. And then if you want to follow up with why, 
you know, and if you really want to expand on it, I mean, use the form, but you can even write to me if you want. I'm just curious because they're a longtime sponsor. I like what they do. And it's helpful for me as like a sponsoree to like know why somebody might not like the product because I'm not just going to be like, you're wrong, you know, <laughs> like, cause maybe you're right. Or maybe your opinion is valid or you have different things you're thinking. Of. But sometimes I think there's things that, that I could kind of nudge people and be like, you know, actually maybe you were right, but you're not anymore kind of thing. And that will just help me be a better sponsoree. And it's probably helpful for them to know like what's up with their product too. So thanks for the sponsorship uh, and everybody who's already submitted that form. I appreciate it. Back to Prisma, our best friend here on the show. Uh, they have a, a lot of they have, they actually have like a benefits of Postgres post here, but yeah, like full text search, um, uh, privilege management. That's kind of rad. I didn't know that that was there, but uh, 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 but yeah, the, it just anyway it has this concept of views too. Like you can maybe like you can basically like create a baby table, <laughs> you know, like, or like, uh, so that's kind of cool. Uh, but the, the JSON stuff is, is kind of pretty radical. Um, so as money, yeah. money types, I don't know if it's types. easier to migrate, but I would imagine it is, you know, I, I mean, we lived through the days where like, well, we're on a version of MySQL that has to lock tables during a migration. And then there was a new version of MySQL. What was it? 5.6 or something. Whereas like you didn't have to. And what a big deal. That's the difference between telling your customers that you're going to have to go down and not. That's a yeah. huge, you know? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I think it's cool. Um, so anyway, hopefully that helps, uh, David. Uh, I don't know. There's also, a, a, if you're designing and you want to do something in the browser, because I went on Bender, like, I was like, how do you do databases in 2021? You know, because I was just like, there's got to be better than what I was doing. Um, I there's know. this cool tool called ViewRD, and I'll put a link in the GitHub or the uh, in the gist. Uh, what do we call them? Show notes on the show. What are you um, talking about? ViewRD? ERD is an entity relationship diagram. And this would be like if you're drawing it on pen and paper, right? You have like a post entity and a user entity, and you're drawing the relationship one to one, one to many, blah, blah, blah. This is like a cool tool that you can like put in your browser, actually. Um, and it's all based, it's written in view, but like you can, but it'll actually like give you SQL and stuff like that. Um, Based, or it can like parse your SQL and, and build out the uh, the ERD file, I believe, like that. Um, anyway, yeah. it's a cool tool. I don't know if it, you know, um, I just came across it and I think it's cool enough to like talk about. <laughs> so, because um, it, it's just, I don't know, viewing, I'm, again, I'm a visual person. Like I kind of sometimes want to view how the data like looks, but these like entity relationship diagrams are kind of a whatever industry standard, you know. For, they are. For, We've building been, out or there's a lot of them in our data. in our back end channel at CodePen, and I'm like, looks good, team. Keep going. <laughs> this that's a chart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. You, you should star you, this. You'd be the first person to star this. There is zero it. stars on oh. get it. I'm gonna star it too. I'll star. Uh, I, there's this really good old vine series i'm gonna post a link in the show notes here it's called uh oh it's oh uh gabe gundrak or something he was in vine and it's this is this music and and he's like he like walks in he's like oh what is this music it's a guy who can't understand music and it's <laughs> so funny he's like he points at a plant and he's like is, is the music coming from here no <laughs> Okay, what? And just tell me where. And he's like pointing around the room. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's how I feel about databases. I'm like, is this data? Is this, is this is that database? Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Great. Yeah. 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 This because a database and like the schema for the data is a part of the story of a data model, which has different deeper implications and even that then isn't exactly like the, the decisions about what then is like in the api and 
and gets communicated that way is yet a different story. And it's like, it's, it's, it's scarily over my head for something that shouldn't be. That's why I'm so like, as much as I like to talk about like, oh my God, the front end and our responsibilities are so incredible lately. There's so much going on that has gone to the front end shoulders. I'm like, yeah, but there's also so much that is not. Cause like, I actually don't feel particularly powerful at work, believe it or not. Like I can do a lot of stuff, it feels like, but compared to like what needs to get done around here, my skill set is narrow. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, but the, but I feel like too the those jobs are different, right? Or like, like it's like <laughs> sort of maybe I'm getting into duck size horse territory, but um, <laughs> like you you're gonna change the data model move to Postgres, right? That's a big block to move, right? Like that that's a big chunk you have to move to, you know, or you're setting up or rolling out a new database or whatever. Um, that's a big chunk. But then on the front end, it's like, we're going to move to Postgres or, or we're going to add a checkbox to a form. And you're like, cool, let me, I have to figure out where this on the site that form shows up. So it's probably 600 different places. I have to go check. I'll be right back. You know? So it's different, right? Like it's, it's different. Uh, I feel like backend work is usually one, like big chunks or big tasks, you know, and, and front end, like months long tasks and front end work is a lot of like kind of smaller one hour, two day, three day, five day works, you know? So totally. That's just my, vibe i'm vibe <laughs> i like the word vibe 2021 has a a vibe 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 well chris should we uh pack it up pack it in are we we're ready to go thank you uh dear listener for downloading this in your podcatcher church be sure to start her favorite up find out that's how people find out about the show for real uh and follow us on twitter at shop talk show for tens of tweets a month we didn't answer your question send it in send in a question <laughs> That's why we didn't answer it. And uh, if you uh, want to uh, ask us more questions in real time, you can join the Discord over at patreon.com slash shop talk show. And Chris, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Shoptalkshow.com. <laughs>